Today we're going to be talking about relational health. The health and success of our relationships largely depend on our capacity to give and receive love. So today I'm going to be speaking to you about the love of God. Even though there is this immense reservoir of God's love that is available to us at all times, I don't know about you, but I find so often that I'm trying to rely on my own love to love people. And I find that that heart of mine is somehow constricted more than I would like. And instead of offering generously love and forgiveness and grace to others, there, there's kind of a stinginess that, that shows up every now and again. It makes me think of a character in one of my favorite Christmas movies, The Grinch. According to the narrator, the Grinch's biggest problem was that his heart was just too small. Two sizes too small. Because of this, he was filled with cynicism and hatred. But when his heart was touched by love, it grew three sizes. At least that's what they say in Whoville. Anyways, I don't know about you, but I need my heart to grow a few sizes. I need God's love to overflow. I need to dwell in God's love in that relationship in the Trinity that already exists, that loving relationship. I need to get there so that my heart can overflow with love. Not just for people in my close relationships, but people near and far, towards all people. And so my prayer is, Lord, enlarge my heart. Sometimes we pray, Lord, like Isaiah did, enlarge the place of our dwelling or enlarge our territory. But first we need to have our hearts enlarged and our capacity to love increased. And so I say this morning, Lord, enlarge our hearts. Will you pray with me? Lord, I confess that I don't know how to love as I ought. But you have said that I can rely on your love and your spirit to love others. I pray that this day you would shine your love in our hearts, in power and in fullness, so that we could love others with that same love. Lord, would you show us this morning how deeply we are loved by you, so that our hearts don't feel so tight and so that they burst forth with the love of God, with your love for all people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to talk about three points today. Uh, three short points. We'll spend most of our time on the last one. God's love is demonstrated. God's love banishes fear. And God's love empowers us to love others. Let's read 1 John 4, 8 to 10. Considering that God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. The good news is not that we loved God. No. The good news is that God loved us. The good news is that God loved us, that God reached out to us. Not only did he become this vulnerable little baby, but he also 
reaches out in another way to each one of us to reveal his love to us. When I was in my early 20s, I was in college, and I was living a life really apart from the love of God. I was, at that time, um, getting interested in Eastern mysticism, and I was learning all, all about meditation and um, all kinds of different New Age concepts, together with my philosophy professor. I, I, I spent time with him getting really deep into um, the, New Age, the New Age movement and, and going to see spirit channelers and all this kind of stuff. And one particular day, my brother, who had been praying for me, said to me, there's only one way to God, Anina. And it's through Jesus Christ. And it was over the phone that he, that he said this to me. And so he said that my heart was different, that I, that I was changing, that my, my reaction wasn't the same as it normally had been. And so he said, can I come over? And I said, sure, come on over. And so I was, I think as most of us do, quickly cleaning up my place before my guest arrived. And as I was washing the dishes, God came to me. I didn't come to him. He came to me, and it was like a computer programmer came right inside my brain and changed the way I thought. And in that moment, I realized that Jesus is the way to God. And in that moment, I said, if that's true, then I'm going to serve you. The good news is not that we loved God, but that God loved us. He didn't wait for me to draw near to him as the song says, but he clothed himself in frail humanity. And he didn't wait for me to call out to him, but he let me hear his voice calling me. John, 1 John 3, 1 says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. The reason we're able to become children of God is because of the love of the Father. And what did God do to show us his love? He initiated. He loved first. He paid the cost for the relationship. He bridged the gap that was between us. He reached toward us. We didn't reach toward him. He came in vulnerability he came in humility. He risked the rejection that he actually did get. This was all for the sake of showing love. He valued relationship with us that much. In this way, Jesus typifies the missionary, like Jim Elliott, who went to Ecuador to share the love of God, who reached out, who bridged the gap, who took a risk and went to Ecuador. And, and we know how that story ends. We know that, that, that Jim Elliott and his four companions were all killed for their effort in, in sharing the love of Christ. So Jesus' extension of himself typifies that, that, that classic missionary. But his love also pictures the risk and the courage and the vulnerability it takes to walk across a room to engage with someone that we're at odds with or to pick up the phone and engage with someone with whom we need to share an experience of forgiveness. That same kind of love is needed for both of these things. The same kind of love of God is needed for all our relationships near 
and far. Point number two is that God banishes fear. 1 John 4, 17 and 18. This is how love is made complete in us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love dries out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not been made perfect in love. Is not made perfect in love. All of the judgment, the hate, the punishment, the fear of punishment, the fear of judgment, these things are taken away in Christ. Hebrews 2.15 says that Jesus came to free those who all their lives were held in slavery because of their fear of death. There are so many fears that can bind us and can keep us from loving. But we, we learn that if we will come and abide in the love of Christ, that boundless resource that is available to us, that the fear, the judgment, the hate will dissipate. Because love banishes shame and fear and hate. I don't know if you've heard of Heidi Baker. She's been a missionary for the last 20 years in Mozambique. I had an opportunity to hear her um, in May speak. Okay, I'm short. She's shorter. Like, she's like this tall, you know. But she has this huge heart of love. It's just so inspiring. Uh, it was one of the most inspiring speakers that I've heard recently. And she operates in love, and she operates in healing because she's got this great big heart. She isn't even afraid to minister to lepers. That's how much fear has been banished from her, from her love, from her walk with God. She said, when we touch lepers, we don't get leprosy. They get healed. They don't get leprosy. We don't get leprosy. They get healed. It's the opposite. I think sometimes we're afraid to connect with the sick or the, or the sinful. We think we're going to catch their disease. But no, they're going to catch what we've caught, which is the love of God. Amen? I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you, says the Lord. I will remove from your heart from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. God has given me recently a new heart towards the First Nations people. And I find myself pressing in and praying and, and, and considering how we can build a bridge and why the First Nations people aren't represented in our churches very well why there isn't a, a, a very um, accurate reflection of their population when we look at the, at the population and the makeup of the church. God can do that. These are a people who previously I was indifferent to and never thought very much about. He can take our small and fearful and, and stingy and narrow hearts and replace them with his big loving heart, because God's love banishes fear and judgment. Third point, it's going to take us a little longer to get through this one. 
God's love empowers us to love others. What are the implications of God's love for us on our relationships? A couple more verses in 1 John, verse 7, chapter 4, verse 7, 19 and 21. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God, yet hates a brother or a sister, is a liar. For God does not, sorry, for whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this commandment, anyone who loves God must also love their brother and their sister. When I looked at the meaning here of, of brother and sister in this context, one of the definitions I found was a brother, literally or figuratively, near or remote. A brother, literally or figuratively, near or remote. In other words, all people. This includes everyone, those who are near and those who are far. We can love our families well and then ignore the plight of the needy neighbor or the one who suffers in a distant land. On the other hand, we can give to the poor and needy, care for those who are in our church, and yet fail to love our families well. We're called to love all people well. Remember the story that Jesus told of the good neighbor. He was discussing with a lawyer who was his neighbor. And I think we all want to ask that question. Well, who does this really apply to? Simple, everyone. The lawyer was asking this, presumably to outsmart Jesus. And Jesus goes on to describe this man who had fallen among thieves on that dangerous road from Jerusalem down to Jericho. He explained how two religious men walked right by and how it was a Samaritan, someone who was a part, someone who wasn't considered a brother, someone who was not a paisano, not kin, not part of the nation of Israel. He wasn't considered a neighbor, and yet he was the one that showed that neighborly love. He went out of his way like God did. He bridged a gap. He took the man, he put the man, he paid. He put the man on his donkey. He used his resources to care for the man. He brought the man to a place of safety. And so we might ask, who is my brother and my sister? To whom must I show love? Our siblings? My brother? Yes. Our neighbors? Yes. My enemies? Yes. My parents? Yes. Syrian refugees? Yes. My spouse? Yes. We're called to love all people. How can we reach out? How can we bridge a gap? How can we risk 
and become vulnerable. Come in humility. How can we pay a price for a precious relationship like God did? There are many ways that we can do this. I want to just talk about a couple of practical ways that the experts tell us about. I'm sure you've heard of Gary Chapman's five love languages. How many people have heard of Gary Chapman's five love languages? Okay, good, so half and half, so I guess I need to go into some details. He talks about the five love language, words of affirmation, quality time, acts of service, physical touch, or gifts. These are, these are five ways that, that people find, this really fills my love tank. Some people might say, oh, you give me a gift, I know you love me. But if you come give me a hug, not so much. So that's, that's how some people experience how their love tanks are filled up. Yesterday, I was here working at the church, and David called me to um, say that he'd made reservations for Sunday night for us to go out for dinner. Okay, right away, that's like, okay, you're speaking my language. Quality time. I love quality time. So that was my love language. He was speaking in my love language, and I could really receive that love. At the same time, though, this week, someone gave me a generous gift. Now, my love language, top love language, might not be gifts, but I heard the message loud and clear. She was showing me that she loved me by her gift. And so we give and receive love, and sometimes it's worth the investment to find out what makes the person feel loved and express it that way. That's what Gary Chapman tells us about in his five love, language, five love languages. Tony Campolo addresses it a different way in his book, Choose Love, Not Power. He talks about, um, he gives three, three ways that we can express love. The first one, and I think is so important, is to listen. Not passive listening while I'm on my phone. I get in trouble for my kids for doing this a lot. But a love that puts the phone aside, puts the distractions aside, and energetically engages in hearing what the person is saying. This requires us to make space and room and to actually put our own thoughts and feelings and reactions aside. At the leadership summit, Bill Hybels uh, told us about a time when his daughter, he was in his home office working on uh, something, and his daughter came in and said, Dad, I, I want to share with you something that happened at, at school today. And um, Bill Hybels said to his daughter, fine, okay, if you can just do it quickly. She said, Dad, I'll come back later when you can listen slowly. <laughs> How many times have I done it? Listen slowly. Listening is an end unto itself. We don't need to listen and then solve the problem, or listen and give some advice, or listen and share a similar story that we know about someone else who's in the same kind of situation, or even listen and pray, although all these things have their place and are important. But listening is an end unto itself. Someone this week um, 
asked to meet with me, and their sole purpose was to listen to how I was doing. Wow. After that meeting, I came away feeling so uplifted, so amazed that a busy person would take the time to find out how I'm doing. That, to me, was showing true love. That was love on display. The second area that Tony Campolo talks about is service, serving others, considering how to bless others, asking the question, what could I do today that would increase the happiness of my friend or of a stranger, of my spouse or my child? What can I do that would increase their happiness, considering how to serve? I read about, um, I, I think it was in Campolo's book I read about, uh, or maybe it was Love Languages, but um, a, a young man whose mother always made him vacuum. He hated vacuuming. And so as he would vacuum, he would determine, when I get older, I am going to find a wife, and I'm going to marry someone who loves vacuuming so I never have to vacuum again. You know what happened. He found a wife who hates vacuuming. And so this man has learned how to show love to his wife by vacuuming. Every time he does it, he does this act of service, and he's doing it out of love for his wife. So we can serve. Third point is recognize Christ in others. God places tremendous value on each one of us. He's put his mark on us. I could take a $20 bill, and this $20 bill has value. And even if I scrumple up this $20 bill, even if I covered this $20 bill in dirt, even if I wrote across this $20 bill, worthless. Even if I spoke that or said that or wrote that across this bill, this bill would still have a value of $20. Why? Because the government of Canada has created this bill and the government of Canada has the authority to say this bill will be worth $20. God has determined that you and I have great value and worth. And regardless of what we have done, what others have done, that value is there. And so Tony Campolo advises, recognize Christ in others. Recognize that value that each person has. I was thinking this week about um, the, the formal Spanish word, usted. They, they use it instead of um, just saying you, it's, which would be, I, I'm, I'm going to French now, two, is it two? Two, thank you, Davy. Um, don't even let me go into our trips with Davy to Mexico and his hilarious use of, of his newly found grade 11 Spanish. Anyways, thank you that you've got the you, love it. Okay, so the usted is more the formal. And, and, and what it translates as is, your mercy or your honor. It actually speaks to the person in the third person. I don't know if anyone here watched, did anyone get caught in the Downton Abbey series and watch all those Downton, oh, like just a few of you. Okay, well, none of you are gonna get this reference, so I'll have to kind of like 
you know. Okay, it's, it's basically uh, the servant when he works for the, the lord of the manor. He, he would never, his name was Lord Grantham. He would never say, you know, you or address him even in the first person. He would always say, how may I help? your lordship or what would your lordship like it's always in the third person and it's just this honor and respect that's part of the the culture especially in that era i think it would do us well to have this usted mindset of considering the honor and the respect that is due each and every individual your honor how how, how can i help your honor How can I serve your lordship? I was thinking about this uh, last weekend. Um, I was thinking about the word usted and just just how even that culture probably helps with honor because of of the language and the history of of respect that they have. And it's something we we don't have. Um, So I was thinking about this. And then I went into Winners. And... Um, I was I was standing making a purchase, and you know it's a long counter, and there's there's someone over here um, making a purchase as well. But he he was a very young man. You could tell by the marks on his face and by the way he speaking was speaking that he wasn't doing very well at this particular time in his life. And he had two, not one, but two big knapsacks. And I, I don't know if he had purchased something or why he was standing with these two knapsacks at the counter. But he kept saying, I, I don't know what's wrong with me. I, I'm so tired. And, and uh, did, did you want to check my knapsack? And, and you know, the woman said no. And, 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 and he left. And after he left, the woman behind him came up to the counter and said, with such disdain, and God forgive me, I've said and thought worse of, of people than she did, but she just said, well, I know why he's tired. And then she proceeded to name a few of the drugs that, she perceived that he was on. And I just, I think because I was thinking about this, your honor and everything, I just thought, oh, this boy, Christ died for him. He's a usted. He's a, your honor. And I, and I was so sorry, and I, and I couldn't help him because when he left, the police arrested him and was going through all of his stuff, and I, I, I was able to pray by myself for that young man, but Oh, that we, would, that we would see people with the honor and the dignity that God has given them. You know, um, I don't know if you, you've seen the movie uh, Les Miserables or if you've read the book by Victor Hugo, but there is a bishop, and it's, it's Bishop Bienvenu is his name. And he's known as someone who, who welcomed others. His name means welcome. And uh, he was actually described by the author as someone who conferred dignity with abandon on those whose dignity had been robbed. Someone who conferred dignity with abandon on those whose dignity had been robbed. It's no surprise then that when the bishop encountered the destitute Jean Valjean in the, in the city square with no place to go and no food to eat, that he takes him into his parish home. He feeds him, he clothes him, and he gives him a place to sleep. Well, as the story goes, Valjean repays his kindness 
by leaving in the middle of the night with a, a bag full of the church's silver. But remember the kind of pers person that the bishop was. Let's look at this clip now when Valjean is returned um, to the bishop. Get in there! Pipe down! Stay there! Monsignor, we have your silver. We caught this man red-handed. Get the nerve to say you gave him this. That is right. But my friend, you left so early. Surely something slipped your mind. You forgot. I gave these also. Would you leave the best behind? Monsieur, release him. This man has spoken true. I commend you for your duty. Now God's blessing go with you. But remember this, my brother. Seeing this some higher plan, you must use this precious silver to become an honest man. By the witness of the martyrs, by the passion and the blood, God has raised you out of darkness. I have saved your soul for Jean Valjean did become an honest man and a God-fearing man. And he, although he sold the sil silver to start a new life, he never did give up those candlesticks that conferred on him that great mercy and love that the priest showed him. One act of love and kindness can change a person's life forever. There are so many countless ways that we can consider, how then can I love God? How, how can I love? I think the most obvious place for us to start is by entering into the love of God. Meditating on the short phrase, God is love, or I am loved by God. Because it's in that place that we can lay down a fence. It's in that place that our hearts can become so filled with love that we're able to reach out in kindness to those who are around us. It can help our hearts not feel quite so tight it can cause us to burst forth with God's love and to recognize that value that all people have. I'm going to ask Rochelle to come now and her team. If we yield to God's love, 
our hearts can grow three sizes, just like the Grinch's did. And we can do the impossible, whether it's for the person across the room or whether it's the person around the world, we can do the impossible with the love of God because God's love can make all things possible. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God and God is love.